0: Welcome to the Rantine Baptist Church podcast. Please note that all or some of this podcast may have been recorded during our live physical services at Rantine Baptist Church. Therefore, sound quality may be affected in some areas. We hope you enjoy the podcast. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read that in a moment. So we did some small improvements to the church. You see there were the toilets all being painted, thanks Rob, for painting that. <laughs> and then also Christy took whatever we had started to dolly it up a bit and of course as you look around we're going to be improving the aesthetics of our church little by little. So one of the next things you want to tackle is this tea area. We're starting small but we're going big. Okay? We're starting small but we're dreaming big. Okay. So we're looking at life skills. Go back a little bit. Just to put context, we're still looking at life skills. These are the skills that we need to develop in order to be successful at life. One of the things that has come up is love. But Let's stay there for a moment. Ecclesiastes 10.10 10 says, Skill will bring success. Then Proverbs 22, 29, a man skilled in his work will serve before kings. Anybody can make food. What causes you to go back the second time? Good food. What's the difference between food and good food? Skill. All right? It's not just your mother's recipes. It's not cheap food. It's good food. And of course, we can apply that to all of our lives. Now we came to this life skill, the life skill of love. And we said that it's an Extremely important life skill. In actual fact, it's probably underrated. We don't see it as a skill. We see it as an emotion, something that comes upon us. We walk into a room of single people, um, see somebody attractive, the opposite gender. They see us, we see them. We look at each other back and forth. Second time, it wasn't an accident. And suddenly, the emotions of love start to overwhelm you. <laughs> Ever been there? Marry the person? Husbands, your hands should have gone straight up. (laughs) That is the right answer. That's what we think about love. But love is so much greater than that. We underestimate the power of love and the real controlling influence it has. It's really strong. Think of a mother's love that will come between her and any assailant, and attacker, if her child, she'll lay her life on the line if she sees her child is in danger. It's a universal friendship clincher. People are always drawn to people who love them. So if you want friends, stop doing this. It's not going to get you friends. What's going to get you friends is loving other people. Real friends. Not friends in America, not friends on the screen, real friends that you could actually have a date with, go out and then have some fun with. And then of course, internally, love doesn't come alone. Love always brings with it peace. Love brings with it joy. Love brings with it a sense of fulfillment. When you and I cultivate love, all of those other things enter with it. In actual fact, love is so strong It can change the physical chemistry of your body. It sparks off at least two hormones. The one hormone is dopamine. Now, dopamine is released when you feel something good or pleasurable. When you feel love, dopamine is released in your body. You want more of it. You kind of get addicted to it, but this is a positive addiction. Then another hormone is oxytocin that helps you be calm, relaxed, feel at peace. When couples bond, when people give each other hugs, when people are in their friendship circle, those chemical hormones are released. So we shouldn't underestimate the power of love. The Beatles said, help me out. Love is all you need. It couldn't be more simple. (laughs) I like what Charlie Chaplin said. You need power only when you want to do something harmful. Otherwise, love is enough to get everything done. And isn't that the truth? Love is enough to get everything done. Now, there's a lot that can be said about love. And uh, one of the things we need to do, we can't bypass the topic of love without looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, seeing what God says over there. Now, love is so important that the whole of the chapter is dedicated to describing love. There's only one other topic in the Bible to which a whole chapter has been dedicated. Can you guess? Hebrews 11, faith. So you have faith, a whole chapter dedicated to it, and then you have love. Yet 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, love is the greater. So God obviously has a high opinion of of love. And I believe we should have too. And once we understand the power of love, we'll stop looking at it as something that may or may not happen to us. But we will be deliberate about cultivating love in all of our human relationships. So let's read 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 8. And when I studied that, I looked at two groups of qualities that came out. The one group was the things that real lovers do. And then the other group is, if you somebody who loves, this is the type of thing you'll refuse to do, you'll never do. So we're going to look at the positive qualities today, but let's look at all of them together in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 8. Are you there? Love is patient, love is kind, It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So we have the qualities over there, There there's 16 of them. Things to do, things to avoid, they're a little bit mixed up. But we're going to look at them this morning, the things that real lovers do and their eight qualities that we're going to go through. Before we get there, the chapter itself, 1 Corinthians 13, is a unique chapter. So let's look at four quite unique characteristics about 1 Corinthians 13. You can't see it, the first thing in the English translation. It's not just love that is spoken about there. But the definite article is used there. The love. The agape. So he's not just talking about the romantic love. The friendship love. He's talking about a very particular type of love. So he says, romantic love may have good qualities. Friendship family love may have good qualities. But the love of God, this love the love of God has unique qualities. So we are there's a very particular type of love under discussion here. Then the second thing we see is in our English translation, all the qualities of love are described as adjectives. Love is a noun, a thing, and it's a type of thing. That's not the truth. All the qualities of love here are all verbs. So everything over here is telling us the type of thing Love does. You see, love is not a subject to be studied under a microscope. Love is something to be loved. So when he's talking us about, to us about love, here he says, if you want to see a person that loves, just watch what the person does. And if a person claims to be loving but doesn't actually do anything about it, they haven't quite got what love is about. Then in the King James version, chooses to translate the word agape here as charity. Of course, that is incorrect. Charity makes us think of being benevolent, kind to poor people. But that's not what is under discussion here. It's love. Now, love may embrace charity, but it's far bigger than charity. And then the fourth thing that we see here is love is really a description of Jesus Christ. The whole chapter is about Jesus Christ. I like what John McCarthy says. Paul, in this chapter... Is painting a portrait of love. And Jesus Christ is sitting for the portrait. Isn't amazing? He's just describing Jesus. Because remember, love for us is something that's difficult to understand until somehow we experience it. We see it in life. Now God understands. He can't just tell us about love. He needs to show us love. And he sent Jesus to show us what love is. So when you think about all the qualities of love, we say in this chapter, love is patient, love is kind. We could put the name Jesus there. Jesus is patient, Jesus is kind, etc., etc. So the qualities are patience, kind, rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Those are the eight qualities. So let's jump in and look at them. Love, the first thing it says, is love is patient. It means to suffer long. It comes from two words. The one is long, and the other one is to kind of be passionate. But when we take them together, the meanings change a little bit. So it means love is able to be long-suffering with certain kinds of passions. In other words, it is kind of saying, love takes long to get worked up. Love takes long to get angry. That's what he says. When you and I are patient with people, we don't get worked up so quickly. You know, when you're not in love with people, you can be triggered easily. You have a short fuse. But a person who is loving will take long for the imperfections, the frustrations of other people to get them worked up into such a state that they'll actually spring into anger. So when you and I are loving towards people, we are patient with them. We understand people sometimes take a long time to get things. People take a long time to eventually live out the commitments that they promise to us. How patient is God with you and I? Have we made to God and we're still struggling to keep those promises? How long does God wait for us to change? How many times have we asked God, forgive me, Lord? Oops, Lord, I'm back again. (laughs) Second time, same sin. Lord, I don't know how to say this, but you know it already. Third time, same sin. Lord, can't believe it. I thought I'm bigger than this. It's number 522, Lord. Yes, same sin. Three years later, still struggling with the Lord. And what does God say? Hey, I had enough of you. Come on, get it right. No, God says, it's okay. At least you're trying. Do you see? That's love. Now, you and I treat other people the way God treats us. And we have love. Love is kind. So, the word over here is used only once. And that is here in the New Testament. There are two aspects to this kindness. the firstly. Love is gentle, it's not hard in its manner, and then love is useful. Love is useful, gentle, so it's not harsh with people. Kindness. When you think of a person as kind, it's not shouting at you, it's not angry, it's not hard, not harsh. It's gentle. So, love has the power to break the cycle of anger, wrath getting revenge, because God doesn't treat people like that, it's not hard, doesn't fight all the time love is gentle so you and I need to learn to love people, to say kind things, in a kind way, to treat people in a kind way, that's how we're expressing love then it says, love does good so the word over here for kind, comes from a word that means useful useful If you're a loving person, you're useful to humanity. In other words, you can do good. You're of benefit to society. Anybody can talk about what needs to change in society. How many people are the change, as we say, they want to see? Anybody can say somebody should do something about that. There's so many people in need. We can write books and we can study and we can have conferences and we have conventions and... uh, nobody actually gets to do anything we just hire five-star hotels and then we convene a committee but nobody actually ever does something about it it's useless so it says love is not useless love is useful how do you and I test whether we have developed love in our lives, how useful are we in society? What have we done in practice for other people, who probably will not be a we, whom we will not be able to benefit from one day? Then we know that we are useful to society. You know, people are exposed to nastiness. The world can be a cruel place. Everybody's looking out for their own affairs. But the Bible says, if you and I are loving people, we're helping carry other people's burdens. Strangers' burdens, even so far as our enemies' burdens. Acts chapter 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good. How many villages did Jesus arrive at, and there was a mess. And then Jesus healed the blind. He delivered the demoniacs. He settled differences. He was a force for positive change. And that's what love is. Then it says, love rejoices with the truth. Now, truth and love here are said to walk together. It doesn't rejoice in the truth, but with the truth. And when you look at the original, it says, these are friends. Truth and love travel together. Now, in our society, we have this false notion That there's truth and then there's love. And sometimes we don't want to be truthful with people because we feel it will hurt them. And love doesn't hurt. So therefore we're not truthful. But then we have all these fake versions of love and false people. And we pretend to love people, but we don't actually love them. We are fake Because we feel that we're going to hurt people if we tell them the truth. We fake too many things to get people to fall in love with us and stay in love with us. You have fake profiles. And we live a fake life on the internet. I mean, everybody smiles. Everybody's holiday was the best. Everybody gets out of bed, and the hair is like, "Wow! After a whole night's sleep, that's what you look like." Imagine when you put makeup on. Every anybody ever say, "I'm having a bad day." Ever read that? Wow! Best best meal ever. Best milkshake ever. Uh, best day ever. Best best best. Man, your life just keeps getting better and better. Amazing, because we feel. Like if we admit to people we're not having a good day, we don't really look that good without makeup, people reject us. So we project this false image in order to get people to like us and then people say, we really do like you, promise. But when you take the makeup off and you're not so nice to people and you've got nothing to give in in return and you complain a bit, do people still love you? You see? The real people... Will allow you, people who really love will will allow you to be yourself. They'll understand that you're going to have good days and bad days, good hair days, ugly hair days. And they're going to take all of you. Then, We move on to four qualities, four actions. And it talks about love's stickability, the permanence. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always persevere. You know, to love isn't easy. And we might say that to love permanently is almost humanly impossible. But you can do it with the love of God. That's what we are learning over here. So a child wrote a letter to God, said, Dear God, I begged. That it's hard for you to love all the people in the world. We've only got four people in our family. And I'm struggling with just these four people under my roof. (laughs) And you love the whole world. Love is tough. But God can help us do it. So it says love always protects. What does it mean to protect? It's a word that means to cover over. To put a covering over. It's like a roof. Love is that protective roof. It means to conceal things and protect it. Now, what does that mean? Love doesn't expose people's failures and weaknesses. Love, if you know something about somebody that is pretty embarrassing, you'll keep it to yourself. You don't expose the faults, the weaknesses, the mistakes, the failings of other people. Love doesn't gossip, love doesn't tell stories. Love doesn't put people and uh, their mistakes on display and call other people to point fingers. Love just hides. You'll never know that. So, Proverbs 17, 9 says, He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Keep to yourself the weaknesses, the mistakes of other people, Keep it to yourself, between you and your friend. The moment you let that out, you separate people from that person. You isolate them. And you and I become divisive people. But love is a protecting force. Then it says, love always trusts. It believes in looking out for the best in each person. So what does it mean to trust over here? Other version, love believes all things. It's to have faith in people, to give them credit. In other words, to trust people. Now, love is not gullible. It's not just going to swallow everything that people say. It's going to use discretion. It's going to use discernment. But love is always going to trust and believe that people have the capacity to change. Now that runs right against what we are taught in our society. Don't trust people. I trusted that person once. This is what they did. You better not trust them too. Oops, I've just unprotected. I've just gone out of love. I've just expressed faith that that person is bound to fail. Do you see how easily we write people off? But then the word always is there. Always does this consistently, has faith in people, gives love, never gives up on people. You know, when we truly love people, we believe in them and we trust them. Trusting people, you're going to feel that your trust has been broken. Your trust hasn't really been broken. You've just met up with another human being that struggles to keep the hundred commitments that people require from all of us every single day. And nobody can live up to that. Have you ever broken somebody's trust? Have you ever said, listen, I'm going to be there, but then you cancelled and you had a weak excuse? You broke trust. Or when somebody does it to us, we want to go and shout it with a trumpet. That's not how love behaves. Love is empathetic. We understand that we're dealing with human beings. Can people change? Absolutely. Why would God forgive a murderer, a rapist, a drug addict? Why would He call these people to be pastors? Because He believes that people can change. In actual fact, God still lets you and I into His kingdom, and look how we're struggling. So God believes in you and I. Don't be a cynic. Don't be like all the negative people that have been burned and now they're bitter. Because of what happened to them, they figure, oh, I'm not going to trust people again. They hurt me too much. Like you, the saint? No. People don't get things right the first time. Sometimes they need a second or third chance, or fourth or fifth and sixth. And maybe they need as many chances in you as you and I have been given by God. And if you will give the people that chance, they will change. Then he says, love always hopes. It means to see the bright side of things, to be hopeful and not despair, to be confident that something will come to pass. In other words, love puts has hope, has faith in people. Love never gives up on people. That's what he's saying over here. If you want to break it down, love always hopes. It never gives up on people. Do you know, I don't think there's any place... A single record where Jesus ever abandoned somebody. It doesn't mean that he came across perfect people, godly, righteous people. He came across the whole range of human beings. He never abandoned a person a single time. People left him. They didn't like the way what he was teaching. They didn't like the standards. But Jesus never left people. But we leave people. People that we said we love, and we said we will always love you. And we read these wedding vows, and she was dressed in white, and I was dressed nicely, and I said, I will always love you. Yeah, but things have changed now. Don't you see the always in front of hopes? And five years later, you say to yourself, What? I broke up because of that? Do you understand? Have a little bit of faith. Give people the benefit of the doubt, of your doubts. Your so in his book, Moments for Mothers, Robert Strand wrote about the conflict in a family in, in Scotland. Teenage girl in her teens became rebellious, decided i don't like my parents rules my mother doesn't understand me she's old-fashioned times have changed. i can't live i'm being smothered so she went and tried to live a life without restraints i mean hello it's in the bible story of the prodigal son but did we learn anything no we're going to try it by experience so she ran off obviously her money ran out she became a slave to her choices to In order to maintain her pride and not contact her parents, she had to do some pretty despicable things to survive. She didn't realize that over that time, her father passed away and she went to live in these homeless shelters night by night. That was basically the level of her freedom. What her freedom had won her, it had actually won her imprisonment. In one of the shelters, she saw a poster that her mother had put up, and the mother said, picture of the daughter, if this is you, please come home, if anybody has seen you, this woman, this girl, please contact me, I'm the mom, I still love you, come home. Now she had had enough of life on the streets and life in shelters, in wonder and disbelief, she set out for home, and she wondered if indeed she was still loved. She arrived there in the middle of the night and her mind, her heart was racing as she was about to knock on the door. But as she was about to knock on the door, she noticed the door was a little bit open. And then, instead of this excitement, fear gripped her heart. She wondered, had her mother been attacked? And what, what was she going to encounter in the house? She went in and fortunately she found her mother sound asleep. And her mom embraced and says, you know, I've always loved you. You've always had a home. I understand what you've done. But I've always loved you. I've never given up on you. And she said, Mom, I love you too, blah, blah, blah. But Mom, the door's open. You know, that's not safe in today's society. Why have you done that? She said, you know, the moment you left, that door has never been locked. I always left it open in the hope that one day that you would come and you would find the door open. Love always has the ability to hope. So don't give up on people. And I know it's very difficult to keep hope alive. We have brothers and sisters who become drug addicts. Who've gone off the rails. And we think after years and years and years. It doesn't seem like they're coming back. They will come back. And one of the things that will help them, help it make it easy for them to return is if they know that when they come back, nobody's going to tell them, I told you so. Serves you right. You've blown your chances. But that we will forgive them. It says, love always perseveres, endures all thing, things. The God's Word version says, love never gives up. What it means there, it's again one of those words that is a double-barrel word to go under trials, to endure trials. What it means, really, is to be like a soldier. The words there speak about a soldier having to endure hardship. The life of a soldier isn't easy. So it's a military word. It kind of says, love soldiers on. It's saying that love has a fighting attitude, but not in a bad way love perseveres it fights because love believes we can win this war we're going to get the victory that's what it means now I suggest every 5 years we should have a medal ceremony every 5 years of your marriage every anniversary you get like hey you got the 5 year that's a bronze medal if you've been married for 10 years you get silver 15 gold 20 Bigger gold, till you get ones to hang around here, because you've sold your own. I mean, if you've been married, you've been through some battles, you've had some fights, and yet you're still together. Why is that? Because that's what love does. It perseveres. Oh, I'm not tired. I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm not going to have this anymore. Oh, I'm not feeling this way. I don't like the way you feel. Let's break it up. Well, I wouldn't put you in a battle. You run at the first sign of discomfort. They don't feed you for a day. You have to live out in the bush, eat out of a tin, And you said, the army life is not for me. Don't join the army unless you're a soldier. Don't fall in love until you can soldier on. Amen. Now, I don't know who gets the medal, the husband or the wife. (laughs) There's two medals. You may say, well, give me both. Some people are lieutenants in the army, some are majors, captains, others are generals. You don't know what I've done to love this woman. You don't know the battles I've The wars I've fought. Look at the scars. <laughs> it's just love, dude. It traits a special type of resilience to love another human being. And you're going to find out how much resilience when you marry one of them. Take them home. Take a human being home with you. (laughs) Stay with them for years. Then you know what love is. Isn't that true? Can I get an amen? Amen. Just checking (laughs) who? Then it says love never fails. Now the word over there fails doesn't mean to like fail a test. It means to Fade like a flower, fall off, droop, and then decay. All right? And then the word never, of course, refers to time. In other words, it says love over time won't wither, it won't fade, it won't decay. Love, true love, is permanent. The God's Word version says love never comes to an end. So we have a couple of songs out there. I will always love you. Ah. Okay, that's it. That's it. Take it further. Bring it home. I will always love you. And then there's this other song. Will you still love me tomorrow? Have you heard that song? You love me now, but will you love me tomorrow? So it's like, I don't know. Should I commit? What's love got to do? What's love got Okay. Y'all, I don't know what that song's got to do with the sermon. <laughs> Apart from the word Love. <laughs> But we have the whole range of experiences. Jeremiah 31 verse 3, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I've loved you with an everlasting love. You know, love comes with a warranty. It comes, or at least it should come, with a warranty that lasts for a lifetime. It never breaks down, never stops working, never stops loving, never reaches the point where it no longer functions. So... An eight-year-old, Jessica, said, you really shouldn't say, I love you, unless you mean it. And then, when you mean it, you should say it all the time, because people forget. You should say, I love you, I still love you, I still love you, I still love you. And I'm not just saying it, I really mean it. I really do still love you. Now, isn't that the way... God loves us. Imagine you understood that God loves you today, will forgive you today, but you're not so sure about tomorrow. And you're not sure that you can keep up this pose of love. And you know what? Many people die doubting the love of God. Well, God, you've been faithful through my life, but do you love me still? Have I done enough to get into heaven? The answer is no. Now you haven't done enough to get into heaven. Jesus has done enough. That's why you're going to get into heaven. Because he loved you. So it talks about love. Love is not just something you feel, experience. It's not something that comes and goes. Love is a permanence to it. So, love is a portrait of Jesus. And God wanted human relationships to be controlled by love. It's the greatest, most excellent way of relating. So Paul described it in detail. In case we're less uh, mental people, we're more visual people, we need something tangible to latch onto and to help us understand, then Jesus left his throne, walked the earth. Four Gospels recall the life of Jesus. If you and I don't get Paul, In 1 Corinthians 13, it's a little bit woo-hoo out there. Then you just go and read the the life of Jesus, the way he related. And you will find every single one of these qualities is not something Jesus spoke about. It's something he lived. If you and I are going to live this life skill... You and I need to understand it's not a subject that we're going to look at and something you can put under a microscope or read in a book. It's something you and I have to practice. And as you practice, we experience the love of God flowing through us and then finally something clicks and we get this life skill. Amen. Amen. So today we've looked at all the things that lovers do. Do you consider yourself to be a lover? Not just the husband and wife type of love, girlfriend, boyfriend but the love of all people. You have the capacity because God lives in us. Amen. Let's pray. So Father, we want to bless you and we honor you. We want to thank you for the way that you've broken love down for us into small, bite-sized, understandable bits that we can apply to different situations, all of which will require us to behave in love, respond in love, Father, we don't get to find too much of this out there, but we get it from you in spades. And we pray as you have loved us, Lord Jesus, as you have modeled love, help us to simply walk in your footsteps. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, remember to share it with people you feel may be encouraged by it as well. Also, remember for more resources, to watch our video sermons, or to find out more about Ramsey Baptist Church, visit us online at www.rbathchurch.org.